0: hey guys it's me ishita and today we'll be starting with the chapter number 16 of matilda by ronaldo so the name of the chapter is miss honey's cottage so now let's get started miss honey joined matilda outside the school gates and two of them walked in silence through the ha- village high street they passed the green grocer with this window full of apples and oranges and butchers with bloody pumps of meat on display and naked chickens hanging up and the small bank and the grocery store and the electrical shop and then they came out on the other side of the village onto the narrow country road where there are no people anymore and very few motor cars and now they were alone matilda all of a sudden became widely animated it seemed as though a valve had burst inside her and a great gush of energy was being released She trotted beside me Honey with wild little hops, and her fingers flew as she would scatter them to the four winds, and her words went off like fireworks with terrific speed. It was Miss Honey, this and Miss Honey, that, and Miss Honey, I do honestly I could feel I move almost anything in the world, not just tipping over glasses and little things like that, I feel I could topple tables and chairs, Miss Honey. Even when people are sitting in a chair, I think I could push them over and bigger things too, much bigger things than chairs and tables. I only have to make a moment to get my eyes strong and then I can push it out. The strongness at anything else, so long as I'm staring at it hard enough. I have to stare it at it very hard, this Honey, very, very hard and I can feel it all happening behind my eyes and my eyes got hot just as though they were burning. But I don't mind it in the least. And Miss Honey, calm down yourself, child. Calm down yourself, Miss Honey said. This is got Elsa to work up so early in the proceedings. But do you think it's interesting, don't you, Miss Honey? Oh, it's interesting. All right, Miss Honey said. It's more in- than interesting. We must have tread very carefully from now on, Matilda. Why we must tread carefully, Miss Honey? Because we were playing with mysterious forces, my child. And we know nothing about i don't think they are evil they may be good they may be divine but whether they are not let us handle from them carefully these were wise words from a by wise old world but matilda was too steamed up to see it that way i don't see why we have to be so careful she said still hopping about I am trying to explain you, Miss Honey said patiently, that we are all dealing with the unknown. It is an unexplainable thing. The right word for it is a phenomenon. Phenomenon. Am I a phenomenon? Matilda asked. Is it quite possible that you are? Miss Honey said. But I rather you didn't think about yourself anything in particular at the moment. What I thought we might do is to explore this phenomenon a little further. Just the two of together, but making sure we take things very carefully all the time. You want me to do some more of it then, Miss Honey? This is what I am tempted to suggest, Miss Honey said cautiously. Goody, good, Matilda said. I myself, Miss Honey said, probably far more bold over what you did than you are. I am trying to find some reasonable explanation. Such as what, Matilda, such as whether or not it's Something to do with the fact that you're quite an expressionally precious. What exactly does the word mean? A precious child, Miss Honey said, is one that shows amazing intelligence early on. You are an unbelievable precautious child. Am I really? Matilda, of course you are. You must be aware of that. Look at your reading. Look at your mathematics. I suppose you're right, Matilda said. Miss Honey marveled at the child's lack of conceit and self consciousness. I can't help wondering," she said. "Whether this a sudden ability that has came to you being able to move an object without touching it, whether it might not something to do with your brain. But you mean there might not be room in my head for those brains, so something has to push out. That's not quite what I mean," Miss Honey said, smiling. "But whenever happens, I say it again. We must tread carefully from now." I've not forgotten the strange and distant glimmer on your face after you tipped over the last glass. Do you think it could actually hurt me? Is that what you're thinking, Miss Honey? It made you feel peculiar, didn't it? It felt me very lovely. For a moment or two, I was flying past the stars with silver wings. I told you that, and shall I tell you something else, Miss Honey? It was easier the second time, much, much easier. I think it's anything like that. The more you practice, the easier it gets. Miss Honey was walking slowly so that the small child could keep up with her without trotting too fast. It, it was very peaceful out there on the narrow road. Now the village was behind them. It was one of the those golden autumns afternoon. And there were blackberries and splashes of an old man beards in the hedges, and the hawthorn berries were ripening scarlet for the birds when the cold winter came along. There were tall trees there, and there on either side, oak and sycamore and ash, and occasionally a sweet chestnut. Miss Honey, wishing to change the subject for a moment, gave names of all these to Matilda and tell her how to recognize them by the shapes of their leaves and the part pattern of their bark on their trunks matilda took all this and stored the knowledge away carefully in her mind they came finally to a gap in the hedge on the left hand side and the road there was a five-barrier gate this way miss honey said and she opened the gate and let matilda through and closed it again they were now walking along a small narrow lane that was no more than a rutted car track there was high hedge of hazel on either side and you could see i Clusters of ripe brown nuts in their green jackets. The squirrels would be collecting them all very soon, Miss Honey said, and saw, storing them away carefully for the bleak months away. Do you mean you live down here, Miss Honey? Matilda asked. I do, Miss Honey replied, but she said no more. Matilda had never once stopped to think about where Miss Honey might be living. She had always regarded her purely as a teacher, a person who turned up up to nowhere and taught at school and then went away again. Do any of his children, she wondered, ever stop to ask ourselves where a teachers go when the school is over for a day? Do we wonder if they live alone or if there's a mother at home or a sister or a husband? Do you live all by yourself, Miss Honey? she asked. Yes, Miss Honey said, very much so. They were all walking over the deep... Sun baked mud tracks of the lane, and you had to watch them where to put your feet if you didn't want to twist your ankle. There were very small birds around in the hazel branches, and that was all. It was just a farmer laborer's cottage, Miss Honey said. You mustn't expect too much of it. We are nearly here. They came to a small green gate, half buried in the hedge on the right, and almost hidden by the overhanging hazel branches. Miss Honey paused with one gate hand, and then here it is. That's where I live. Matilda saw a narrow dirt path leading to a tiny red brick cottage. The cottage was so small, it looked more like a dollhouse than a human dwelling. The bricks it was made were old and crumbly and very pink red. It had a gray slate roof and one small chimney. And there were two little windows at the front. Each window was no larger than a sheet of tabloid newspaper and there was clearly no upstairs on the place. On either side of the path, there was a wilderness of nettles and blackberry thorns and long brown grass. An enormous oak tree searched overshadowing in the cottage. Its massive spreading branches seems to be unfolding and embracing the tiny building and perhaps hiding it as well from the rest of the world. Miss Honey, with one hand on the gate, which she had not opened yet, turned to Matilda and said, A poet called Daniel Thomas once wrote some lines that I think of every time I walk up this path. Matilda waited, and Miss Honey, in a rather wonderful slow voice, began reciting the poem. Never and never, my girl riding far and near, in the land of hard stone tales and spell asleep horror believed that the wolf in the sheep white hood looping and bleating roughly and shall be my dear my dear out of her hair in the flogged leaves in a few depth year to eat your heart in the house in a rosy wood there was a moment of silence and matilda who had never heard great romantic poetry spoken loud was profoundly moved it's like music she whispered it is music miss honey said and then as though embarrassed at having revealed such a great part of herself she quickly pushed upon the gate and walked up the path Matilda hung back. She was in a bit frightened of this place now. It seems too unreal and remote. and fantastic and so totally away from the earth. It was like an illustration in the Grimm's and Hans Anderson. It was the life where poor woodcutter lived with Hansel and Gretel and where the Red Riding Hood's grandmother lived. And it was so housey of seven dwarfs and the three bears and all the rest of them. It was straight out of a fairy tale. Come along, my dear. Miss Honey called back and Matilda followed up her path the front door was covered with flaky green paint and there was no keyhole miss honey simply lifted the latch and pushed open the door and went in although she was not a tall woman she had to stop low to get through the doorway matilda went after her and found herself in what seems to be a dark narrow tunnel You come through to the kitchen and help me make the tea, Miss Honey said, and she led the way along the tunnel into the kitchen. That is, if you could call it a kitchen, it was not bigger than a good sized cloth cupboard, and there was one small window in the back wall with a sink under the window, but there were no taps over the sink. Uh, Against another wall, there was a shelf, presumably for preparing food, and there was a single cupboard above the shelf. On the shelf itself stood a pyramid stove, a saucepan, and a half-full bottle of milk. A primus is a little camping stove that you fill with paraffin and you light it at the top and you then pump it to get pressure for the flame. You can get some water while I light the primus, Miss Honey said. The well is out at the back. Take the bucket. Here it is. You will find a rope in the well. Just hook the bucket to the end of the rope and lower it down but don't fall in yourself. Matilda, more bemused than ever before took the bucket and carried it out in the back garden. The well it had lit in wooden roof over it and a simple winding device. There was a rope dangling down into the dark bottomless hole. Matilda pulled up the rope and hooked the handle of the bucket to the end of it. The, then she lowered it until she heard a splash and the rope went slack. She pulled it up again and lo- behold, there was a water in the bucket. Just I it. It's fun. How do you get in a water for your bath? I don't take a bath, Miss Ani said. I was standing up. I get a bucket full of water and I heat it on a little stove and I stripe and I wash myself all over. Do you honestly do that? asked. Of course I do. Every poor person in English used to wash the way until not so very long ago. They didn't have a primus. Primus. They had to heat the water over the fire in the had to, Are you poor, Miss Honey? Yes, Miss Honey said. Very. It's a good little stove, isn't it? The primus was rolling away with a powerful blue flame, and already the water in the saucepan was beginning to bubble. Miss Honey got a teapot and from the cupboard put some tea leaves into it. She also found a half a small loaf of brown bread. She cut two thin slices, and then from the plastic container, she took some megrain and spread it on the bread. Marginine, Matilda. she must be really poor. Matilda, Miss Honey found a tray, and she put it on two mugs, the teapot, half-bottle of blood, and a plate with two slices of bread. I'm afraid I don't have any sugar, she said. I never use it. That's all right, Matilda said. In her wisdom, she seems to be aware of the delicacy of the situation and she was taking great care not to say anything to embarrass her companion. Let's have it in the sitting room, Miss Honey said. Picking up the tray and leading the way out of the kitchen and down the blue little tunnel, dark little tunnel into the room in the front, Matilda followed her. She was... Inside the doorway and a so-called sitting room, she stopped and stared around her in absolute amazement. The room was as small and square as bare as a prison cell. The pale daylight that entered came from a single tiny window in the front wall, but there were no curtains. The only objects in the entire room were two upturned wooden boxes to serve as chairs and a third box between them for a table. That was all. There were no pictures on the wall, no carpet on the floor. Only. The rough, unpolished wooden planks, and there were gaps between the planks where dust and bits of grime had gathered. The ceiling was so low that it had jumped, Matilda could nearly touch it with her fingertips. The fall was white, but the whiteness didn't look like paint. Matilda rubbed her palm against it, and a white powder came out of her skin. It was whitewash, the cheap stuff that they use in cow sheds, stables, and houses. Matilda was appalled. Was this really where her neat and trimly desk teacher lived? Was this all she had come back to day's work? It was unbelievable. And what was the reason for it? There was something very strange going on around here, surely. Miss Honey put the tray on one of up, upturns. Sit down, my dear, sit down, she said. And we'll have a nice hot cup of tea. Help yourself to bread. Both slices are for you. I never eat anything when I get home. I have... A good duck and at school lunch, and then keeps me going until the next morning. Matilda pushed herself cheerfully on the upturned box and put out more of the politeness than anything. She took a slice of bread and margarine and started to eat it. At home she would have been buttered toast and strawberry jam, and probably a piece of sponge cake to write it off. And yet it was somehow far more fun. It was a mystery in his house, a great mystery. There was no doubt about it. And Matilda was longing to find out what it was. Miss Honey poured the tea and added a little milk to both the cups. She appeared not to be at least ill at ease, sitting on an upturned box in a bare room and drinking tea out of a mug that bashed, balanced on her knee. You know, she said, I've been thinking very hard about what you did with that glass. It's a great power you have been given, my child. You know what? Yes, Miss Honey," I do, chewing her bread and margarine. So far as I know, Miss Honey went on. Nobody else in the history of the world has been able to compel any object to move without touching it or blowing on it using any outside help at all. Matilda nodded but said nothing. The fascinating thing, Miss Honey said, would be to find out the real limit of your powers of course. Oh, you know, you think you can just know about anything there it is, but I have doubts about that. I would love to try really huge, Matilda said. About what distance, Miss Honey asked? Would you always have to ch- close to the thing you are pushing? I simply don't know. But it would be fun to find out. So, guys, this was all about chapter number 16. I hoped you loved it. Oh, sorry, chapter number 16, yes. And this chapter is very interesting. There is a mystery in Miss Honey's house. So, we'll find out in the next chapter. Till then, take care and bye bye.